Welcome to the City Church Online. This is where you get all the sermons that you might have missed or you might just want to listen to all over again. Please like, subscribe, remember to share and download this message. Come, let us grow together in Christ. My mother and father were not in church. My, my mother and father were both alcoholics. They worked, but they did never, never did go to church. But I want to tell you, look out around you for some little one who looks lonely or looks like he or she could receive some encouragement or some help because that's what happened with me. I was in the sixth grade and we lived in the middle of a very big city, Los Angeles, and we were very, very poor. Um, but there was a family that moved into the neighborhood down around the corner, and their, their four children became friends with the five of us Burgess children that were at home. And the one boy, whose name is Graydon, he was in my school class, and he invited me to church. That was the very first time I had ever been in church at all. And his mother and his father took care of us five. We lived at home, but we spent most of our time down there because we could talk and we could laugh and we could sing and we could just have a good time together. And then we went to church back in those days in America. We had regular church Sunday morning, two times, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, just regularly. And we were at all of them. Wednesday night was a prayer meeting time when we all got down on our knees and everybody prayed. Even the little children prayed. We were all together. It was such a blessing because I learned then that God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Isn't that a great thing to remember? I, I remember as a child, the first time I heard the phrase, I was glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. And as a young child, that was one of my highlights. All of the adults would take care of us, would greet us, would love on us. Even though our parents weren't ever at church, we felt apart. And I hope that young people here and anybody in the audience here who may be here for the first time or has no friends here, I hope that you will all welcome them, welcome each other, and love on each other. I was glad, I thought, when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. You know, I love the emphasis of some of the themes of the scriptures that you were singing about, that we were all singing about. And it has to do with the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I loved the reference in the songs to it is finished. It is finished. Well, what was finished? What was finished? God had a plan from the very beginning before he created the heavens and the earth. 
He knew he was going to make a part of his creation, mankind. And that's us. And he knew before the worlds began that we would sin and that we would reject God and that we would leave him out of our life. And I, I think if there was a conversation in heaven, if there was a conversation in heaven between God and the angels that isn't recorded in scripture, it might have gone something like this. As the angels looked down and saw mankind begin to sin and then sin more and sin more and more and more where it says the whole earth was just filled with sin. I, I, wonder, I wonder if some of the angels didn't come to God and say, why don't you just kill them all? Why don't you just wipe them out? What good are they? But God had a plan. And you know, what's interesting is that the scripture says angels even desired to look into that plan. They wanted to know, what is it? And you know what? God didn't tell them right away. I don't know when he told them. I have no idea. But as I read scripture, it appears to me that it wasn't very far ahead of when God sent his son. I, I imagine they speculated. I wonder what he's going to do. I wonder how he's going to transform them. Maybe he'll kill them all and start all over again, whatever. And God didn't tell them. And then one day, and I'm only speculating because the scripture doesn't say when he told the angels or how he told the angels. But maybe it was something like this. Just before Jesus came to earth in the form of the baby born to Mary. Just before that, maybe, maybe, God called all the angels together and said, I'm going to tell you a part of the story. And they said, what is it? I'm going to save all of them. You're going to save all of them? The wickedness, the sin, how are you going to do that? I'm going to provide a payment so that all of their sins can be paid for. And maybe the angel said, oh, wonderful idea. What, what is it? And then in startled looks, maybe God said, my son, I am going to send to the earth and he will become a human being just like them. What? You're going to send your son from here in heaven down to that filthy place, that place of sin? You're going to send him down there? I can imagine that they might have thought that. And he said, yes. And he will grow up as a human being, and yet he will never, ever sin. And the penalty of sin will be paid for when he dies on a cross and I put on top of him all of the sins of every single one of the human beings. And if those human beings will accept Jesus 
as their Savior and believe in Him and follow Him, then they will be able to return here and be with us forever. And isn't that an amazing anticipation? Can you imagine the thoughts of the angels and what was going through their mind? The day that Jesus, that God said, the Father said, today is the day. And Jesus left his home in heaven and entered in the form of a baby in the womb of Mary and became a human being. And then he grew up here amidst all of the sin, all of the deceit, all of the lying, all of the cheating, all of the dishonesty. And he never, ever sinned. And you know, there is a scripture, many scriptures that when I get to heaven, I'm going to say, okay, God, what did you mean by this? What, did, what, 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 what were you saying? Okay, now, now think about it. Jesus was perfect and yet it says he grew in favor with God and man. In knowledge and in wisdom and in stature. How did he grow in wisdom if he was perfect? I, 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 I don't know the answer to that. God knows the answer to that. But as he grew up. And, and now just think of the temptations that he had and the problems he had. <clears throat> Do any of you have a child that everybody else thinks they never do anything wrong? They're always doing things right. How are those children usually thought of by others? Sometimes not too good. Can you imagine how Jesus was treated when he was a, 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 an infant and then a growing up and, and a teenager and children were mischievous and getting into trouble and doing this wrong and doing that wrong and Jesus never did anything wrong. Can you imagine? It does, the scripture I'm talking about, but can you imagine how he was treated as a child? If you had a perfect child, how would the other children treat him? They would be jealous. They would be envious. They would pick on him. They would try to make him get into a fight. They would try to get him to argue. And the scripture says he never sinned. That is amazing. I mean, if you think you have temptation and you and I have a lot of problems, what about if we were perfect my goodness, that would be a struggle for sure. <laughs> you know, when, when it says that Jesus paid it all, and we sing that, all of the sins from time at the beginning to the time of Jesus' death and into eternity were placed on him when he was on the cross. Jesus put them all on him. And therefore, to the Jewish people who had been looking forward to the Messiah 
and who had been having the high priest go in, go into the Holy of Holies one day a year and offer a sacrifice, but not to remove the sins, just to push them ahead for another year. Because there was no high priest other than the high priest through the order of Melchizedek, Jesus, who could remove the penalty for all sin. And, and by the way, I won't give you the answer to this, but I'll have you look it up. How many times a year did the high priest go into the Holy of Holies? And I'm going to tell you, and you may not believe me, he went in more than one time a year. And I know that we all have heard he only went in one time a year. I'll just give you a hint. You can look it up. He only went in one day a year. But on that day, he went in two or three times. He had to go in and offer an animal for the sins of everyone to just cleanse it. Then he had to go in and offer another animal's blood for his own sins. And then he went in again come around for the sins of the people. So just a smiley face. When we say the high priest only went in once a year, no, he went in two or three times, but only one day. I don't know if you've ever noticed that before, but Jesus, Jesus paid the penalty for our sins once for all. He died on the cross. Praise the Lord. When, um, when Jesus was about to go to the cross, uh, he, he told his friends, I, I, haven't, I haven't told you everything, but now I am going to the one who sent me. This is all in John 16. Um, and it's interesting, he said, when I told you I was going away, none of you asked me, where I was going. Rather, you were just filled with grief that I was leaving. But he said, I tell you the truth, verily, verily, the fact that I am going away is good for you because I will go pay the penalty and go back to my father and look down on you and look with loving arms, welcoming you back. But if I don't do what I need to do, which you might even try to stop them from doing to me, as Peter did when he, when he tried to cut the head off of the soldier and just missed and got his ear, said, you might try to do that, but nobody is going to kill me. I am going to lay down my life. Nobody can take it from me. Now, that being said, he finished John 16 in the last verse by saying, I have told you these things so that you may have peace. Ah, peace. Oh, man. But in this world, you will have trouble. 
but take heart, I have overcome the world. Amen? Amen. But now, now there are some who mistakenly have believed that once you become a Christian, you won't have any more problems. You won't have any more issues. You won't have any trouble to deal with. You won't have any people that you're disappointed in. No, but he said, take heart, I have overcome the world. Understand that even very good Christians, he is saying, will have some problems. Now, he is telling us that he will help us through everyone. And he said, by the way, when I go, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit down. And he will comfort you. And he will convict you. And he will assist you. And he will be with you all the time while I'm back in heaven. And he even says in one passage of scripture, um, you, you don't even know how to pray as you ought. And, and, and sometimes in the two hours of your prayer, you're probably saying, no, I, I don't know what to say, God. And, and you know, the Hebrew writer says that the Holy Spirit knows the groanings in our heart and he interprets them to God. And he says, God, this is what they want. And, and he shares on our behalf. I love the story of the grandfather who was sitting looking out the window into the yard where his little granddaughter was running around and running around and playing. And she was just saying something out loud and he wondered what it was. And so he opened the door and he sneaked outside and he listened and she was running around the yard and she was saying A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J. And after a while he said to her, Honey, what are you saying? She said, I'm praying to God. And he said, but you're just saying the alphabet. Yes, but I was in church last week, and the pastor said, when we don't know the words to use, the Holy Spirit tells God this is what they meant. <laughs> and so the Holy Spirit will just put all those letters together and I just say A, B, C, D, E, F, G. So this week in your two hours of prayer, you might just say A, B, C, D, E, F, G. You don't have to know everything. You don't have to know everything. In fact, sometimes God would rather have you say A, B, C and let the Holy Spirit interpret it. I want you to know when he said, in this world you're going to have troubles, he didn't say that to discourage us. He added, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And so we need to understand some things about problems. One of them is <clears throat> problems don't last forever. Sometimes it seems like this problem will never go away. because I don't believe in divorce. <laughs> That's naughty. <laughs> um, this problem we think will never go away, but problems just last for a while. Now, in the English translation of the Bible, 
in the King James, there's a phrase that is used lots of times. It is used 120 times in the King James Bible. And it's the phrase, and it came to pass. Now, I know that really what and it came to pass means is this happened or this occurred. But if you just take a little bit of effort and think about your problems, just think about them and say, and it came to pass. It came to pass. That was my wife, Esther's, favorite interpretation of Scripture. Whenever there was something that she went, oh, no, not again, or oh, no, then she would, she would say, but I know the Scripture said it came to pass. It came to pass. It didn't come to stay here forever. It didn't come to last. It came to pass. It came to go away. And, and the, the wonderful thing is God hasn't always told us ahead of time how he's going to get rid of that problem, how he's going to deal with it, but we need to trust him. We need to say, okay, God, I don't know how you're going to deal with this one, but I brought a lot of them to you before, and here's another one, and I trust that it will be I came to pass. And then understand that sometimes when you're going through struggles, there's a positive possibility out there waiting for you. I'm sure you've all experienced, like I have experienced, sometimes when your heart is just heavy, your mind is full, and you just don't know what to do next. I had several of those right after my wife uh, died. And I would often just get in the car and I would drive. And I would think out loud, I would talk to God, I would pray. And then sometimes I would just stop at a store and get something that I needed to buy. But I, you know, I just needed, I couldn't sleep. And I remember one time about this application that sometimes God has a positive thing out there for you, even in your own grief. It was, um, it was one of those late nights. It was about 11 o'clock at night, and we have a big store, Walmart, and I stopped there, and the dog and the cat that I have needed some food that I needed to get, so I stopped, and I picked them up, and I put them in my cart, and then I went up to the counter, and right ahead of me, there was another young couple, and their cart was full of groceries. And the lady rang it up, and then she gave the total to them. And the husband turned to the wife and said, um, honey, um, do, do you have the credit card? And she said, no, I thought you had the credit card. We left it at home. And the clerk was nice, and she said, well, you have to go over to that counter and return everything, put it back on there. Because I've already, I've already written it up and it's charged and they have to mark it off and so forth. Well, I, I watched them go over there and it was about midnight by then. I paid for mine and the Lord was just speaking to my heart and said, Tom, I brought you here for this purpose. So I went over behind them at the counter and I reached into my pocket and I pulled out my credit card and they weren't looking at me, 
but I showed it to the clerk ahead, and I went, pointed at theirs and pointed at mine. And so they took it all and took my card, and the other couple looked at me, and I, I said, the Lord just spoke to me and told me that that's what I needed to do. She asked me for my email address. She said, when we get home, we have to do the same thing for somebody else. Amen. And, and you know, even in your time of stress, look for opportunities to help others. There's no better stress reliever than reaching out on behalf of others. Don't just look for people to comfort you. You comfort one another. And when you comfort one another, you yourself will be comforted. The scripture says that. Now on problems, we'd all like to know how God's going to solve it. But um, I think it's in Proverbs 25, the scripture says, it is the glory of the Lord to conceal a matter. God says, first of all, I want you to know I'm God. And he also says, I want you to know you couldn't handle knowing everything. Have you ever, have you ever said sometimes, oh, I just wished I knew, I wished I knew, I wished I knew. Then you found out and you said, oh, I wished I didn't know, I wished I didn't know, I wished I didn't know. And God hides some things from us because we don't need to know. It isn't good for us. We're not ready for it right at that time. See, the scripture says in 2 Corinthians, he comes alongside of us so that we can come alongside of others. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 Verses 3 and 4 and 5. And this happens to be out of the message translation. It's a little different translation. It says, All praise to the God and Father of our Master Jesus the Messiah, Father of all mercy, God of all healing counsel. He comes alongside us when we go through hard times. And before you know it, he brings us alongside someone else who is going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. That's why sometimes you say, God, why, why is this happening to me? And God is saying, because in a few years, your child is going to have that problem, and you can share with them how I got you out of that. You're going to be brought into somebody's life, and they're going to say, I don't know the answer. I don't, how in the world am I going to live through this and say, I had a similar experience. So why do we suffer some things? God says, because I have in mind that I'm going to bring you into somebody's life, and you're going to be able to share with them how God was right there with you at that time. So... When we have problems, we need to understand that we can either have a positive or a negative reaction to them. 
I want to read to you out of Philippians chapter 4. Chapter 4. And I am going to read from verse 6 and 7 and then maybe 8 and 9. Don't fret or don't worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces the worry at the center of your life. Summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do the best by filling your minds and meditating on things that are true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. Put into practice what you have learned from me, what you have heard and saw and realized. Do that, and God, who makes everything work together, will work you into his most excellent harmonies. You might make as even maybe perhaps part of um, your 40 days of 40, pa- uh, 40 days and 40 nights of, of, of fasting and praying and thinking. I've suggested this to other people. Um, why don't you make an alphabet? A, B, C, D, E, F, G, all the way down. And make it an alphabet that has a positive word and a scripture with it. Just like A, you might put affirm. I'm going to affirm that I live by the grace of God. B, I'm going to believe. I believe that he who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. C, commit. I'm going to commit myself to following through. I'm going to commit myself to never doubting God. You, you know, you make your own alphabet. Just put, put a word by it and then think of a scripture or think of a scriptural story and let God work with you. In, thank you. <clears throat> I'm going to turn again and read in the book of Luke once more, verse 37 and 38. So make this a part of your goal for the coming year. And this is in the message. Don't pick on people. Don't jump on their failures. Don't criticize their faults. Unless, of course, you want the same treatment. Don't condemn those who are down. That will boomerang on you. Be easy on people. You'll find life a lot easier. Give away your life. You'll find life given back but not merely given back, given back with blessing. Giving, not getting, is the way. Generosity 
begets generosity. I, I don't know why God brought us all together here this morning. I mean, to praise him, yes. But for each one of us, he may have had a specific purpose. There may have been some words in one of these songs that we sang to praise God that was speaking directly to your heart. It may have been some words in a prayer of somebody that was speaking directly to your heart. It may have been in some of these scriptures that we read that God is speaking to your heart. But have your heart open and be listening to God. And when you're listening to God, say, okay, God, help me put this into practice. And above all of everything I've said, remember, you might think, I don't know how to pray two hours. Just use the alphabet. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. God bless each one of you for being This audio sermon has been brought to you by The City Church. We would love to hear from you. Please contact us on 0706-332-572 or 0776-572. 579 679